0: Jennifer Burns. I am the director of online communications here at Asbury United Methodist Church, and I am happy to fill in today as Pastor Julie is spending some much-needed time on vacation. She is supposed to be on a cruise boat. I don't know whether or not she made it to that cruise boat, but wherever she is, I hope that she is um, having some time for that rest and reflection that is so much needed. Over the last couple weeks, we have been talking about creating healthy habits in the Welcome to the New sermon series that Pastor Julie led us through. We talked about creating healthy habits and structuring our days so that we are primed for success by sticking to those habits and paying more attention to walking with God. When Pastor Julie returns, we are going to be starting a new sermon series called Discovery where we will reflect on scripture and talk about how we discover what God is asking of us, not only as individuals, but as members of a church community and what God is asking of our church in the greater community as we move into the future. So my message today, hopefully, is a little bit of a bridge between those two sermon series in Pastor Julie's absence. Let's start off today by going to the scriptures. We are going to read from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of God for the people of God. So who admits that they can be a whiner? I know I sure am. I am all too happy to rise to an occasion when it is something that I want to do, but when it is something that I feel is put upon me, I'm far less eager, and I can tend to moan and grumble about doing that. Have you ever thought that a thing being put upon you is God's way of handing you what you are being called to? I am one of those people who prays for signs. But then when I see it, I'm like, okay, but is that really a sign? was kind of hoping for, you know, a signier sign. There is a joke, a parable if you will, about a man lost at sea and drowning, praying for God to help him. A boat comes by and he says, No, I don't want to get in the boat. God is going to save me. The man continues treading water and a helicopter flies over and throws a basket down. Again, the man says, no, I don't want to get in the basket. God is going to save me. So as the story goes, the man dies. And when he gets to heaven, he says, God, I prayed for you to save me. What happened? God's reply is, well, I sent you a helicopter and a boat, you big dummy. What else did you want? Many times we know what we are being called to, but we don't want to do it. Jonah and the whale, anybody? Just go to Nineveh. It'll be a whole lot easier. We are scared. We think that we don't have what it takes. There is something else that we want to do, and we can't do what we want to do and what God wants us to do, so we go with what we want. Have you ever thought that God is calling you to do what God is calling you to do because you are the only one who can do it? God uses our skills, our gifts, our abilities, those things that God gave us, to move through different settings and to reach people who only we can reach, some people who would never step foot inside of a traditional church. The country singer Dolly Parton said, I believe that I know what I'm supposed to do. Her daily creed is to do something, say something, be something. She says, glorifying God is my prayer every day. Now, Dolly is an internationally known singer with a career that has spanned over 54 years, dozens of records, hundreds of songs, a theme park that raises money to fund her philanthropy, The Imagination Library has supplied over 150 million books to kids all over the world. Dolly Parton's charity has reached people in her home state of Tennessee through her My People Fund, which paid people who were affected by horrible wildfires in Tennessee $1,000 a month for six months as a way to help those people who were directly impacted by those fires to be able to get back on their feet. She made a $1 million donation to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital to fund their healthcare research and the care of sick kids. She donated another $1 million to Moderna in order to help fund the work to create a vaccine for this COVID-19 virus. That Moderna vaccine is one of the three that is currently in use. Who knows how many people have not contracted the virus or who were less ill because they had been vaccinated than they would have been without it? Who might have died had they not been vaccinated? But the point here is not about Dolly Parton's money. What I didn't tell you about Dolly is that she is the daughter of an illiterate sharecropper who grew up in the poorest of poor conditions in rural Tennessee. That's why she called her foundation the My People Fund. It is her way of giving back to the community that she was raised in and to help people who helped her family when they needed it. Dolly didn't answer God's calling by saying that she was too poor, too country, or too anything to do what she was being called to do. Instead, she tailored a musical career that used her talents, and she turned being country into an image that made her famous and gave her a platform that would allow her to reach millions. Malala Yousafzai was 15 years old when she was shot in the head in her home country of Pakistan by Taliban forces. The Taliban intended to kill her in retaliation for her activism and her support of rights for girls and women. Malala survived this attempt, and she has said, My story is not an exceptional story. It could have been the story of any girl if their fathers and brothers had allowed them to speak out. The Taliban tried to silence me, but they made a huge mistake because now I am in a position where I can not only speak about my right to education and for girls in the Swat Valley, but I can speak out for girls globally. And since then, it has been my mission to ensure that all 130 million girls who are out of school have access to education. These two stories, Dolly Parton, who deliberately made choices to tailor her her life to make her better able to answer her calling, and Malala, who took a horrible, tragic thing that happened to her and turned it around for good, show the impact that one person can have on an untold number of people beyond their immediate circle. What would have happened if Dolly Parton really did work a nine-to-five rather than choosing to become a singer. What would have happened if, after the shooting, Malala had stopped being an activist, had sat down, and stopped speaking out? Evil would have won, and the world would be worse off for it. So let's look at the world that Jeremiah lived in for a second. The time of Jeremiah was following King Solomon's death, A time when the nation of Israel had split into rival kingdoms and there was unrest and fighting across the land. This was a time that was very chaotic politically, morally, and spiritually as the different kingdoms fought and battled for supremacy over the others. That is not unlike our world today, is it? Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to Judah, which was the southern kingdom. He prophesied for 40 years and was taken into captivity and forcibly moved into Egypt after the fall of Jerusalem. Now, even though Jeremiah was called by God to be a prophet and Jeremiah himself was the son of a priest, he was known as the weeping prophet because many of his messages are gloomy and he is often grieving for the situation that his people are in. Nevertheless, Jeremiah, even if reluctantly, answered the call that was placed upon him. He served the Lord, remaining faithful, and at times convincing himself that God would be with him and that God would equip him to do what God wanted him to do. There are many people who don't know what they are called to do. So I say to you, until you discern your calling, there is a call that is placed upon all of us as Christians, that is to love, obey, and to serve until God's guidance becomes more clear and you are able to discern exactly what you are being called to do. Now, when we think about God's purpose for us, think about how different our Bible would be. If other people did not answer God's call or fulfill the purpose that God had for them, what would the Bible be without Samson, David, John the Baptist, or Paul? What would Christianity be like? What would our world be like today without the impact of these ancestors? Esther 4.14 tells us, If you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? Boiled down, this means that what God meant to be will be one way or another, but your reluctance to serve or to answer your call as you were meant to may have untold effects because of your reluctance to serve. Aerosmith might not be the most Christian band that I could reference in a sermon message, but their song, Living on the Edge, gives some perspective. Now, I'm going to do you a favor here and save your eardrums and not sing, but bear with me here. There's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. We're seeing things in a different way, and God knows it ain't his. It sure ain't no surprise. Something's right with the world today, and everybody thinks it's wrong. But we could tell them no, or we could let it go. But I would rather be hanging on. So if the last two years don't feel like living on the edge, then I really don't know what does. Our psalm reading from earlier today says, I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Our calling in whatever capacity we are able, whether it is through habits we implement in our daily life, through our professional positions, or whatever other opportunity we have is to share the good news with the world. We might not feel like we have the words, but guess what? God gave us a whole book of words passed down through people, and God told us to just go to the people he sends us to and say the words that he told us to say. That's really all it is. God doesn't promise us that answering the calling will be easy. God didn't promise this to Jeremiah. God promised to be with Jeremiah. God promised to rescue Jeremiah. He doesn't promise that there won't be sacrifices or pushback along the way. Jeremiah was taken into captivity and sent into exile. Dolly Parton grew up dirt poor. Malala Yousafzai was shot in the head. We know that Jeremiah was a reluctant prophet, and I'm sure if you ask Dolly if she wanted to be poor, or Malala if she wanted to be shot, their answers are pretty likely going to be no. But this is the calling that was placed on their lives, and both of them rose to that occasion. They are telling the stories that only they can tell. To all the people, they can tell it too. Beauty from ashes, indeed. God has put the words in our mouths. He has appointed us to speak to nations and kingdoms. We might not be famous, but we do have circles of influence. He doesn't call us just to reach our family and our friends and those in our circles, but to spread the gospel to all we can, by any means we can. Our outreach, our evangelism, is not just in our Sunday time at church, or in the people that we tell about church. It is what we do, who we are, our professions, our daily lives, as we interact with people around us. What signs are we ignoring because we don't believe them or because we want a different, better sign? What stories are we keeping inside us because we think that they're shameful? We don't wanna relive our past or tell the things that hurt us or seem to glorify the things that we have done. But in doing this, we prevent others from learning by our examples. What hope are we failing to bring to others who might be going through something similar? What circumstances have we been placed in that could be spun to the glory of God? So I ask this, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? And if we don't, then what happens? Amen.